Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds. Your host, Aaron Sagers here. Right now, I'm on a paranormal tour of parts of Europe, and I can't wait to talk more about that at some point. But as a result, we're doing something a little bit different for this episode. A couple weeks ago, I was invited to bring the Talking Strange podcast to the Rooster Teeth RTX event in Austin, Texas. Now, if you're not familiar, you definitely should know about Rooster Teeth because these guys are great and they have a massive YouTube and podcast network. And RTX Austin is a three-day podcasting, gaming, and animation convention filled with live shows, panels, meet and greets, and more. After taking a couple years off due to COVID, RTX Austin is back. And I think that I was, this was maybe the first time they have leaned into the paranormal. So I was definitely honored to be invited to host Talking Strange live at RTX Austin. As a result, I also, I wanted to really focus on the paranormal personality of Austin, Texas. I've got a lot of history with Austin. I most certainly love that town so very much. And I wanted to invite on stage three folks I really admire from the area. First up, we've got Greg Lawson, the paranormal detective and one of the hosts on the Paranormal 60 News podcast. Then there's Stephen Ballou, who is the creator and host of the immensely popular Night Owl podcast, which is Austin-based. And then we have Nicole Ricardo, one of the hosts of the Real Ghost of podcast. So settle in and take a listen to what makes Austin so weird and paranormal. I hope you enjoy this Talking Strange Live. Aloha, spooky nerds, and hello, RTX Austin. How are you guys doing this fine Friday? That guy gets it. I appreciate it. All of you get it. I appreciate it. This is Talking Strange, and we are a paranormal pop culture podcast and live stream show with the Denna Geek Network where we explore the entertainment of the unexplained. And I'm Aaron Sagers. I'm the host of Talking Strange. I'm a journalist, a TV host, researcher of all things weird. And in addition to doing this, I've done a lot of ghosty and paranormal-related shows, and I currently appear on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus show, Paranormal Caught on Camera. So we're here in Austin. You guys know that. Hopefully you know where you're at right now. And this is a town that I love because there is the, the slogan, the motto of keep Austin weird. Austin really is weird from a paranormal standpoint, and it's something that I 
really love. Who is from Austin in the crowd? Okay. Handful of people showing their hands. Yeah. Okay. Who is from, I don't know, what's, give me some other states. Just shout it out. Where are you guys from? Where else? I'm hearing all the things at once. I planned this very poorly. Michigan. (laughs) Colorado. Missouri. And what? Alaska. So far, Alaska wins. Anyone further away than Alaska that's come to RTX Austin? England. What? What part of England? Where? Liverpool. I've heard of that place. No one famous has ever come out of Liverpool. The... But it's a nice place, I hear. So I'm based in New York City. I love coming to Austin. This is a great town. And y'all know that it seems like there are more tales of UFOs, monsters, ghosts coming out of the Austin area, I think, than any other singular place in Texas. You can fight me on this if you'd like. But you don't need to tell me this because I have brought some awesome local guests that are going to chime in for this Talking Strange Live, they're going to chat about tall tales, folklore, myths, legends of Austin and the Austin area. And if you guys ask questions, what do you get out of this? Well, a shiny sticker. Thank you. I didn't even have to set that one up, and and you delivered. Shiny stickers. They, they uh, figured it out. They, yeah, I, I like it. Sadly, the people that listen at home. We'll have to mail you a shiny sticker, I guess. But uh, without further ado, let me just go down and introduce my guest. Uh, At the end here, we have uh, Stephen Ballou from the Night Owl podcast. Say hi, Stephen. Hey, guys. Make some noise, yes. Nicole Ricardo from the Real Ghosts of dot, dot, dot. Podcast. Podcast, yes. (laughs) Hi, Nicole. Thank you for joining us. And the paranormal detective, Greg Lawson, from the Paranormal 60 News podcast. That's right, with Dave Schrader and Darkness Radio. Thank you. So we have some ground to cover here. Can each of you tell me a little bit about your professional background or personal background, not too personal, and your entry to the paranormal? You got sucked into the paranormal world. I'm going to give it to Greg first because I think he's seniority on this panel. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to go, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to my mentor, Chip Coffee. I was born... Now, I won't start there. Uh, I was tortured uh, as a child when I was five by my 17-year-old brother. He would take me to uh, uh, different cemeteries, and, and we did uh, urban exploration and all that stuff, and he put me on the gas tank of his motorcycle with no helmet. Five years old, folks, five. I was terrified. And so I, I started doing that to my friends in junior high. You know, that's, that's how this works. Uh, and once I um, uh, got out of school, I went into the military. I did a lot of traveling. I did uh, 40-something-plus countries. And every time I had time off, I would go to the weird and strange places and meet the weird and interesting people. And, uh, Army, Navy, and Air Force. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. You can do that. You can. All you got to do is just go, hey, uh, sign there, and uh, what's to eat? What do you want to do? So... Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I got to travel all, all through uh, Europe, Central America, and Asia. So um, it, it's just been a really good, uh, amazing journey 
uh, of growth and all kinds of other stuff. Those of you who are Catholic out there, anybody Catholic? Okay, I'm Got recovering Catholic. Raised, yeah. Thank you. There's only three of us, so we'll we'll get together later. <laughs> that does. That absolutely does. And and so that's that's kind of where I went came from. And and based on that, based on thirty or something plus years of doing that kind of stuff, I started writing books and podcasts. And there I am. And there you are. And we're glad you're here. Well, thanks. And Nicole, how about you? Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's pretty much anybody that's interested in spooky things. I had a paranormal experience, right? Um, I, yeah, I grew up being told ghost stories. I was never that kid that wanted to be read, you know, Disney stories to, you know, for my bedtime stories. It was, tell me a ghost story. Um, and then when I was eight, I had an experience. I saw a ghost. And after that, I mean, every time I travel anywhere, I go on ghost tours, I look up the haunted history of things, and now I have a spooky podcast. Excellent. Very good. The Real Ghost Sub. Okay. And Stephen, how about you? Yeah, very similar to Nicole. Uh, I grew up in a small town in South Texas, half Hispanic, uh, Catholic. And uh, I had an experience when I was around 10 or 11, and it it actually was more of a traumatizing like experience because it happened to me when I was alone. But that has always like stayed with me and I didn't tell anybody about it. But it was a very profound experience because it was very real. But I knew what was there was not real. <laughs> it came to me in my room at night uh, quite a bit and it was just uh, unreal. And I always just stuffed it away. But when I became older, I started to research what could that have possibly been. And then I've been on a journey with the podcast to kind of explore the paranormal in a unique way where it's not like we're ghost hunting, but it's more of like investigative journalism and saying, what can you find out about ghosts that we're, that we're not like actually hunting for them, but just learning about the culture of ghost stories and where they come from and then if there's some basis of truth to them. So that's how it all began for me. Yeah. And I, for me, if for those of you that don't know me, which are probably many in this room, I started out, I mean, I was a, I was just a nerd as a kid, was and am a nerd, and for me, reading comic books and science fiction novels was the same as exploring the paranormal, reading about the paranormal, and getting into, like, the cases of Hans Holzer while also watching Unsolved Mysteries and repeats of In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy and the Time Life Mysteries of the unknown books, things like that. So all of it was wrapped up in the same kind of gooey, nerdy nugget for me. And as I got older, I maintained that interest and then I became a journalist. I, I was a mainstream journalist working for newspapers and magazines. And when these shows started popping up around the 2004, 2005 uh, timeline, I just started talking about those things and saying, look, these things are going to connect with a lot of people and across city limits. We are going to find our nerdy, spooky tribe. And indeed, I think we did via social media and via these reality shows. To varying degrees of quality, some of those shows are. But, and I have been on some good and bad shows. But they kind of bring a lot of us together. So with each of you, yeah, Stephen with the night owl, you approach things with this investigative journalistic component, but you're also conducting paranormal investigations and then you bring in a psychic medium. Yes, uh, 
what's fun about it is that I, I truly do not tell these, the psychic where we're going. Um, even to this day, we've been on 35 cases, and you know, I still tell her, well, we're gonna meet you at a coffee shop, and then you're gonna be sort of, not blindfolded literally, but just you're driving, we're driving you there, and then you're gonna drop off. But yeah, it starts off with just interviews. Uh, I hear of a place that has like a lot of lore around it, like maybe the staff are seeing a lot of things, or maybe it's a home, and then I do my kind of tiered rounds. I go and I interview, get all the stories. I start to piece together, what is this legend? What is this haunting? And then I do historical research, and I dive really deep into that. And then the third layer is, let's see if when the psychic comes, if she's picking up anything that's like what they're seeing, and then maybe there's even more information that she can gain from the history of this place that might validate with the research that I've done. And it's become this really cool format that translates into like multi-part series. So the episodes are kind of binge-worthy where people just wanna find out what's gonna happen next. So a lot of our, our cases are part one, part two, part three, full case series. And it's a lot of fun, just many layers being peeled back when we go on these investigations. Yeah, and again, how long have you lived in the area? 2005, I moved to Austin. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nicole, when it comes to the real ghosts of how do you guys approach your paranormal pursuits? So we have a kind of similar approach to Steven. Um, <laughs> I don't do any of the research, though. I'm the one that gets blindfolded and brought in not knowing anything. Uh, but we have a researcher. She does all of the interviews, historical research, figuring out what's going on there. Then they bring me in, see what the heck I pick up on. Um, and a lot of times, some of the things will be things that send Taylor back to the History Center to do more research. Um, and then we finish things off with an actual full investigation. So we'll usually do that over the span of one to three nights, depending on how big the location is. But we like to bring in um, equipment. You guys have all watched ghost shows. You know the deal. Um, but we like to do that approach because we find, you know, with all the skeptics out there, and I mean, I, I think we're all a little skeptical too. I mean, I am. I still think I'm crazy majority of the time. But um, yeah, I think it's a lot harder to refute things when you have like, oh, there's this historical document saying this happens, and then I didn't know anything and also felt that, and then we went in and we got this, you know, equipment going off in the same spot. It's like, oh, well, that's intriguing. So now, Greg, with the Paranormal 60 News podcast, you guys are more doing spooky news roundup. But you also have taken part, I mean, you have a stake in paranormal investigations as well. That's right, yeah. I, uh, like I said, I, I do a lot of research on a lot of different areas and then uh, write about that. Uh, and for what it's worth, the Night Owl podcast is one of the most well-produced uh, podcasts I've ever heard. Well, uh, I think it's thank fantastic. You. If you haven't heard it, he does a fantastic job on the production uh, of that podcast. So well, there you go. Um, yeah, and and so uh, the the podcast uh, I did uh, the Detective Diaries uh, for a year or so, uh, and then I've switched back over to uh, doing more paranormal news. And uh, it's um, you know four seventh graders in their grandmother's basement reading the news and and, and going over fact and fiction on that. It's it's uh, it's very entertaining to us. You first moved here in Austin, 1968, was it? 69. 69. Yeah. Okay. Talk a little bit about the Austin's paranormal reputation. What makes this such a good paranormal city? Good, bad, ugly, weird? 
uh, so well, we got the bats for <laughs> for one, right? We got we can always go there, and uh, I think it was Travel Channel that voted uh, Austin the scariest city in the United States because of the bats. However, you know we had the first uh, serial killer in the United in the United States here, Servant Girl, Annihilators, uh, um, uh, Midnight Assassin, Austin Axe Murder, whatever you want to call this individual. Uh, the interesting thing is, is that case is still not solved. They think they sort of did, but there's more to it than that. Um, we, we have that. We have, uh, um, you know, the, the, the name, if you go up right outside of Austin, if you're familiar with Jonestown, other side, there's a little town that used to be called Nameless. We have the Nameless Hermit out there. Uh, that uh, it, there's actually good research that there was a Nameless Hermit and he did hoard gold and the whole bit. Um, and it's those, it's those histories that get lost through time. And we were talking about it earlier before. Uh, 1920 or so, cops weren't writing reports. You find out this stuff through newspapers, and you have to read a whole lot to pick out this stuff. So we have all kinds of things. We have, you know, uh, uh, Lake Austin or, or, or um, Lady Bird Lake, uh, Lake Travis. There's all kinds of missing people in those those cases, and just uh, the generalized uh, uh, stuff that has happened in Austin as far as all the ghost haunts. So. Yeah. Nicole, what's your favorite paranormal story, if you could sum it up, in the Austin area? Uh, well, do we have any true crime fans here? Anyone? Yeah. So I like doing lesser known locations in Austin. Like, we all know about the Driscoll. We know that's haunted, right? Um, the big ones. So we like going to lesser known places. And there is one, if you guys go to 6th Street, um, you know where the Voodoo Donuts is? So there's a little restaurant right next to it. You'll see they're kind of next to each other, BBGs and Happy Chicks. Well, if you go inside of Happy Chicks, in the very back, there's like a little loft area and they've turned it into a speakeasy called Eden. So that location, fun fact, it used to be another speakeasy called J.W. Stevens, and they had a death certificate on the wall. Intriguing for people interested in weird things, right? Um, so the story goes that J.W. Stevens Jr., his dad was the former comptroller of Texas, uh, he committed suicide in there. And death certificate says, you know, self-administered Lysol poisoning, but in doing research, going to all of the old newspaper articles, um, the plot thickens because there are newspaper articles, but they all say something different, and none of them mention Lysol poisoning. One of them says a car accident that he ran off the road, ran into something. Um, one of them says a car accident with an old woman. They even name her. Uh, they do all say the same road, though, but then when we went to the Austin History Center, the street that the car accident happened on doesn't exist. So that was a super fun one. Um, nobody actually knows what ended up happening there, but there's tons of reports there. So if anybody wants somewhere cool and spooky to go hang out, um, go to Eden on 6th Street. And I, I think it is worth mentioning these places because for those of you that are, I mean, if you live here in Austin, you got all the time in the world, but if you're visiting, from elsewhere, hopefully you make a couple of these spooky tourism spots during your time here. Uh, Steven, with the Night Owl podcast, something that I really respect with his approach to stories is that they are multi-part podcasts. It's, it's very in-depth 
and we get a lot of details with it. You've covered some incredible locations. What is your favorite story from the podcast or or in or beyond the podcast? It's a tough. I have to say it's from the show just because of how much you learn when you do this. You really get connected to the stories, to the past, to the people that you interview. Every time we do a case, I'm just, they're like family, you know? And it's just, it's real hard to pick. Um, we've talked about it. Um, all of us have been there. There's a place called Pioneer Farms here in Austin, Texas. It's a living history museum of an outdoor farm that existed and that dates back to the 1600s. Tonkawa Native Americans would uh, actually use this property to camp at. And it became a site for the original homestead of the person who was actually on a scouting party to locate the capital, uh, where our state capital is. Um, they were, he was gifted this land and he built his first house there. So the history on this land is incredible, but what they've done to the land is they've brought buildings that are gonna be demolished that are from the pioneer era, so 1800s to maybe very early 1900s, and they've restored them to exact replicas, even with wooden nails and pegs and things. And they've put them on this property. It's uh, 90 acres, right? 90 acres. 90 yeah. acres. The, when I went there, I was like, oh crap. I usually go to a coffee shop that's haunted or a single building. I'm taking like my psychic on the third day and I realized, oh crap, I'm like taking her to a 90-acre farm with 12 haunted sites. <laughs> this is going to be epic, and it was. So that story is incredible. That place is special. Greg has history with that place. Nicole's been there and, and knows how special it is. Oh, Aaron, I forgot. I took you there, and you had a little experience too. I yeah. love that place. So Pioneer Farms is my favorite. There's so many stories there. Um, but, yeah, truly my favorite case that I've been on. Who, who in this room has heard of Pioneer Farms? A couple of y'all. Yeah. And out of that, I'm guessing you probably, have you been there as well? I know one, two, three, have you guys been back there? It's, it's interesting to me because when you talk about the haunted locations or spooky locations, the paranormal reputation of the Austin area, we've got, I think, Driscoll ranks up top. You've got um, the Oakwood cemeteries, right? Uh, the... Old Spaghetti Warehouse yeah. building. Yeah. We've got Austin State Hospital. Uh, Clay Pit has that become pretty famous? Clay Pit is pretty famous for its supposed hauntings. The Irish Pub, Fado uh, Tavern is Tavern a Tavern. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and yet Pioneer Farms, for as big as it is, is not is not a super well known haunted location in the area but it should be it the activity there look guys you for those of you that don't know me i kind of ride this line between on one hand i think there's dogmatic diehard belief unwavering belief and on the other hand is skeptic cynicism non-belief and i think most of us exist in a middle ground sliding scale in the middle of like yeah open-minded but also skeptical maybe there's something out there but there's also a lot of bad wiring and leaky plumbing uh, in the world. Pioneer Farms is, is pretty incredible. Greg, talk a little bit about your connection to this to Pioneer Farms. 
So something that I uh, am very interested in is the occupation of this area before Anglos moved into this area, before the Spanish moved in. And as that kind of transition, the Tonkawa that lived in this area, if I'm saying it properly, Tonkawa or Tonkawa, depending on who you talk to, um, they were a tribe that, that were in this area. They were one of the only tribes in North America that were accused of cannibalism. Uh, the stories came from when they would have to fight with Comanches, uh, and that's something they would do is remove the heart of the Comanche warrior and eat it. Um, needless to say, once the relocation of all the native persons went to Oklahoma, all the tribes in Oklahoma turned on the Tonkawa and wiped them out, except for just a few families because of this rumor or the fact that they did that. And I think there's only 70 families of Tonkawa now, uh, and they're fighting currently about their reputation. Uh, you can go online and look at that. Uh, but the, the main thing is, is that history there, something happened at Pioneer Farms. I can say a lot of things happened at Pioneer Farms. And whatever it is, that place, that whole area is alive. Whether it's us visiting there and we're bringing that energy there or that energy was put there before by spirits of, of Native Americans or whatever it is, it's absolutely a magical place. And if you haven't been there, you need to go. And if they're offering ghost tours out there, it's absolutely worth it. Nicole, what was, since we are talking Pioneer Farms, what's a little bit of your connection or experience there? Yeah, I, uh, Pioneer Farms actually was how I found out about your podcast. I went to uh, one of their paranormal investigations that they had there, and everybody kept talking about, oh, the Night Owl podcast, did an episode here, whatever. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> so uh, anyway, that night, um, I had a few experiences, but two that were really memorable. We were back in the Tonkwa encampment area, and we're sitting there. They had everybody just sit down, hang out, just listening, feeling the space. Um, and I was sitting there, and for anybody who hasn't been there, it's kind of um, this like open clearing, and there's trees all around it. And it's pretty thick. It's not like, oh, there's like two trees there. It's pretty thick. Like if somebody was back there, like you're, you're going to be wading through some stuff. Like it's not going to be a good time. Um, so I'm sitting there, and I heard these footsteps run up and stop to like right behind where I was sitting. It legitimately scared me. Like I'm not somebody who gets scared e easily. Like I will go chill in a morgue by myself for fun. Um, but it scared me. I thought I was about to get like, you know, serial killed. And I'm like looking behind me and there's nobody there. And so that was weird. Um, and then the other one, I was in one of the buildings that you can walk through and I was, it's, it's very small, you know, you take maybe 10 steps and you're through the house. I'm walking through it, I get to the back porch and you know that feeling when all of the hair just stands up on the back of your neck and like, ooh, I'm not alone, right? And so I turned around and I saw somebody standing there and it freaked me out. I was there with Devin and I like jumped and like ran into him and he's like, what happened? And I was like, oh my God, like I just, so there was somebody, there was somebody standing there. Come to find out after, you know, everybody's like, "Well, the Night Owl podcast." I listened to it, and that was one of the spots where Sarah was like, "Oh, there's a portal right on that back porch there," which is what I was standing in when I turned around. So it's a wild place. Yeah, I just to add to that, I, I I'm I'm fortunate to consider all these folks friends as well as colleagues. And when I went to Pioneer Farms, I, I I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity to travel the world, and a lot of times get paid to talk about spooky shit 
in other locations. And I don't consider myself a psychic or a medium. I'm not sensitive. But you do certain things long enough and you just start picking up vibes, you know? You sometimes tune into something and definitely got the vibes at Pioneer Farms as far as Stephen was, was kind enough to invite me onto a show and we did like this little uh, presentation at Pioneer Farms. It was a lot of fun. You should look it up. And we, afterwards, I was just kind of tired, just kind of wanted a beer and wanted to unwind. But we, start, we were walking around the location. I wasn't looking for ghosts. I wasn't looking for paranormal activity, but walked back to that Tonkawa area, and I had never been in this spot before, and I think Stephen was starting to say, like, so in this spot, and I was like, dude, I just saw somebody move back there. And then I'm like, dude, I'm feeling someone all around me. And he's like, well, yeah, this is kind of the place, the spot where this stuff happens. And it was really, it was incredible, very creepy, very fun, but a little bit incredible. The, where, speaking of that, what is your moment of peak creep, your super spooked moment? What are, the, what are the moments specifically within Austin where you have been like, oh, damn, there's something happening here? Okay. Which one? Who wants Who to dive in oh first? Oh, my God. I'm a grown man. I don't get scared. Right, guys? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that, that would be uh, kind of hard for me because uh, people scare me a lot more than ghosts do. Um, and so I can, I can tell you some things I was uh, very, very afraid of. Um, I have had that, that vibe um, at a couple of, there's, there's uh, eight sites, eight Indian sites that I know of because of, of my work. And a lot of these sites are on private property. Um, and so because of my work, I get access to some of this private property and I, I get to go out there. And we were talking about doing investigations. My style of investigation is uh, I go alone. I don't want any distraction. Um, I, you know, they th they people think, oh, the paranormal detective, he's collecting evidence and all that stuff. Yeah, I set some of that up, but I try to pay attention more of what's really happening and try to have that experience as opposed to stare at my ghost app on my phone and right. go find the ghost, right? So um, it has been in a couple of the uh, uh, a couple of the Indian sites. I'm assuming they were Tonkawa sites. Uh, and, uh, and when I'm there, my experience in the paranormal has been much more metaphysical. It's been much more kind of what you were talking about as far as, or actually you were talking about, it's a feeling more than I don't see the, the ghost pop up and he doesn't kick me in the nads and I'm like, oh, there he is, you know. It's much more spiritual for me. But I would uh, like to catch the other on oh, camera. <laughs> that would be great. Spit coming out of my mouth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it, it, it's been those sites. It's been North, uh, Native American sites. It's been uh, Refuge Rock in Alaska, uh, off Sitkaladak Island, uh, uh, Old Harbor. Uh, I went out there and... and I can't even explain what what I felt out there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, peak creep, super spooked. Nicole, Stephen, I've got a big one, but you can go if you. Okay. Yeah, no pressure, Nicole. <laughs> he just uh, set that up. Okay. You go first. You go first. Okay, okay. Because mine's gonna I'll be go like first. crazy. Okay, yeah. here. Okay, okay. Well, um, one time I got in the elevator with Aaron Sagers. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Wait, we were. We can cut that in post, uh, right? <laughs> Um, 
Okay, so I, I have two that I'll share. Um, so I was talking earlier about Eden. Obviously, that was a whole mess. We couldn't figure out what happened through the actual research because everything said something different. Um, by that point, I already kind of had an idea what had happened, so we didn't want to like throw me in there and be like, oh, Nicole, what do you pick up on? Because at that point, everybody's going to be like, well, she already knew some things. So we decided to have a seance. Um, that was probably one of the craziest experiences I've ever had. We opened up the session. The people that we had on, we used a Ouija board. Um, the people that we had on the board didn't know the history of the location. So, I mean, I know one of the big things with Ouija boards is, oh, people move it, whatever. They had no idea about the history. We were getting names coming through, dates, um, information that they would not have known, but it was the feeling, like you could just tell we were not alone, and in Eden, it's a speakeasy, so they have those racks where um, wine glasses are hanging on it. The glasses like started shaking and moving and making noises. We were hearing noises all around us. We were the only ones in the building, mind you. We were locked inside, and when I say locked inside, like it's on 6th Street. They have one of those big doors, and then they have like wood that they put over it and they padlock it like we were locked inside of this building um and we were hearing like footsteps going up the stairs in the back there were bangs of like things falling and i mean general rule of thumb for seances is once you open it like nobody leaves this right so we can't be like oh i'm gonna go run out here and see what this was like okay well hopefully we're not about to be murdered right now um so that was really fun and creepy um but the other one that i'll share was uh one night, it's not Austin related, but I used to live in Tallahassee, went to Florida State, if anybody, yeah, go Knowles. Um, I was sleeping and I woke up in the middle of the night and saw a person standing next to my bed. I thought somebody broke into my house. Um, I'm like trying to wake up my boyfriend at the time, trying to wake him up and he is like such a sound sleeper, did not freaking move. And it was literally like, it looked like there was a person standing there and then they just disappeared. So if anybody ever wants to see people, you know, standing over beds, let's just have a sleepover. No. Steven. Uh, okay, so he mentioned it, the tavern. Me talking about it, it's gonna, this is why, you'll learn why I don't like to talk about it, but it is the most creepiest thing that's ever happened. Um, this psychic that I work with, she was a friend of mine, okay, Sarah. We talk about her a lot because she knows her too now. Um, Sarah is a mom, works for the state. She's like, please, that's not a real name. If we do this, please don't use my real name. I'm not in it to be a famous person. You know what I mean? And I was like, I trusted that she might have an ability, but I didn't know for sure. And uh, I always been skeptical of psychics, like I always have been. But I was doing the show. I didn't know where I was going to take it. In my first episode, I did it. She blew me away. She got it exactly. Like, uh, like there's a woman in a specific window in a building. She just walks up to the building. She goes, well, there's a woman right there. And I was like, out of all that, you got exactly what people are seeing without even knowing where we're going. And this is not a public haunting. This is a small haunting. Well, our second case was what Aaron mentioned was a tavern. It's a famous haunted place here in Austin, Texas. She doesn't know where we're going, but we go. Obviously, there's some lore around it, but the lore's kind of been changed a little bit. You know a little bit about that, too. Like, she mentioned it. I mentioned in the show, too. Like, it go, lore goes through a telephone game, right? It passes from one person to the next generation. But the, the legend there as of today and what we've gotten to the bottom of in, in, in our investigation was, trigger warning, this is not great to talk about, but it, it involved a rape and a murder of a, of a child in that building. And 
I knew taking her there at number two was going to be like, okay, this might get kind of dark. <laughs> and we get there, and it starts to unfold. And she doesn't know anything, and it starts coming out. She's seeing a little girl running around the building. And then she follows her, and the crawl space where, they found, where the, her body was stuffed, they found the shoes still in there when they renovated the building recently. She goes in the crawl space, and she sees her, and she's like, I'm talking to her. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the little spirit gets terrified and hides. And then my psychic goes, there's a male presence here now, and she's terrified of this male presence. And no one had ever felt a male presence in the tavern. But when she started to describe the behavior, I started thinking, could this be the person that did this to this girl that's, like, coming to oppress her spirit in the afterlife? And I didn't tell her anything. She finds the person. They never caught who did it. And Sarah actually finds him in the history and says, this is the guy. He was a like an actual uh, politician. That's the rumor. And we found out who he was here in Austin. Jump ahead. As I was doing my research, Sarah kept saying, this guy is not liking you. Like, really not liking you. I was doing a lot of research on him. And turns out, like, one night in the middle of the case, I was just going to bed by myself reading a book. Wasn't thinking about the case, just reading a, a fiction book and having a good time before I go to bed. And literally, this, I'm not sensitive. I, nothing ever happens to me. That thing that happened to me when I was 11, that's it. And I'm laying there in bed, and all I hear is, Stephen, like right in my ear. And I'm like, I drop my book, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I did not hear that. <laughs> and we go back on another day to the case, and I told Sarah, and Sarah was like, he's following you home. And I'm like, this is really freaking out. So we had to do a lot. Um, but that story ends with even something more creepier. So the thing I saw when I was a kid, I didn't tell nobody what it was, not even Sarah. It was a little girl that came to me quite often. She had a decayed face, decayed arms, everything. She had hair in front of her face, and she was in a white nightgown. Sarah stops me when we're doing the tavern, and she's like, this place has been really hard to deal with, but she goes, there's something I'm going to have to tell you about. And she says, I'm seeing something that's around you. I thought it was this place, but it was also at the place we were at previously, and it's now also following me home. And she said, this thing is, every time now she's pointing at my phone when you call. So it's connected to you and your past. And she's described to a T that what I saw when I was 11. And she says, she's telling me she wants you to go back to your room and sleep in your bed. And I'm like, that's where she would come visit me. So that ended that whole little short thing. We went and did that. But that's like, the, it was at that one place that these two very creepy things happened to me. And it just raised my hair like beyond any other experience. You know, I think all of, the, well, all three of the folks up here and myself included would say, well, I think we operate in theories and not strict rules because there's no rules to the paranormal. Nobody's come back and said, here's the rule book, the, the, the uh, you know, the, the handbook for the recently departed or whatever, right? It's <laughs> so far, to my knowledge, no one has that. So it's a lot of theory based, but as far as the kind of the male spirit that you experience, there's a lot of theories about. Actually, I'm working on a production now where someone asked me, like, why would someone continue to stick around, especially if they're a bad person who did a bad thing? And I'm like, I don't know. I think maybe it's like witness tampering in a way. It's, it's trying to suppress the testimony of someone else that's trying to get the word out about what took place. That's exactly what Sarah had communicated. She said, this little girl's trying to get her story out because the little girl is known. Like, they call her Emily. And the story's starting to come out, but it's being suppressed by this energy that's there, this darker male presence. And then as I started to figure out who he was, 
that's why Sarah said he's trying to affect you. It almost, was really cool. Almost like, yeah, yeah, it's almost like the theory of some ghosts stick around because they want their story told. Others Don't. want to keep secrets buried. Yeah. Um, with that said, first off, I want to open up to questions. So if you guys have questions, uh, raise your hand or hop up at the mic and we'll take those. But um, yeah, okay, if you already have one ready to go, let's do it. All right, you're going on the mic, cool. I like it, I like microphone questions because it works really well with audio. <laughs> Hello, you've Hi. got notes. Oh my God, well I wrote it down because I have like no memory. Um, so this is specifically for Stephen and Greg. Uh, also, is anybody else up there a practicing Christian? A practicing Christian, is anyone a practicing? I am actually, yeah. Okay, cool, so I am am as well, and I just have some questions uh, that were regard to faith and spooktacular happenings. So, um, Stephen and Greg specifically, do you guys have any contradictions or struggles with your faith, um, especially knowing that like, in the Old Testament, biblically speaking, King Saul and Herod both sought advice from spirits, um, but then knowing that God does say that souls either go one of two places. So what are you talking to? Yeah, I mean, I do have my struggles and I don't have an answer because I'm still on that journey, you know? Um, I'm very lucky that I, I'm more of, I went away from like, uh, I left, you know, the strict uh, thinking of like Catholicism a while back and I'm more in a progressive, more liberal t type church and became really good friends with the pastor. And so I call him every now and then and he just talks me through it. He's like, you know, gives me some advice and I'm always like, I don't want to be tampering, you know, with things I shouldn't be tampering with because some things now follow me home. Um, but even my psychic is, is Christian, Sarah is Christian. And, and I'm like, we, we have our beliefs. If you, the Bible is never, um, a hundred percent, like we, we are interpreting it. That's the point. Uh, it's not a thing that is a hundred percent literal, you know? So yeah, that's the, that's what I've got taken it from there. And I kind of balance my faith with my curiosity and, uh, and the fact that we're helping, like a lot of our, we didn't talk about this, but the show, we go to houses where, parent, where families are like afraid to go back home. The most recent case I was at, mother was in a hotel and she was running out of money because her kids were being thrown against walls and scratched. We literally got them their house back. And it's been amazing to go to that journey, be able to talk to people that are in my network, work together to try to help people. And I think that's, for me and my faith, that's a good thing to do. I, I, I want to add to that real quick. I want to hear from Greg as well. But I was, I was raised Catholic, and I never officially separated from the church. I kind of say I'm culturally Catholic, but <laughs> I still maintain ideas. But in my personal journeys, I don't know what's going on out there, but I do think there is more going on out there. And I think the... Christian Bible, the Judeo-Christian belief system is one belief system in a much larger universe mm -hmm. where I kind of, when I talk to people, and actually if I can just plug the show that I work on, Paranormal Caught on Camera, we talk to people from all around the world, from all different faith uh, systems, and my take is that, okay, if you're pursuing this in a very Christian ethic, that's great, but what about over here we have Islam and that's some crossover, but then some very different things or uh, Buddhists talking, you know, it's a big world mm -hmm. and it's a lot of belief systems out there. And I think that there is space for all of it mm -hmm. and that there's phenomena 
connected to all of it. So that's my approach is like, the one thing I'll, I will add to that is if you're going to pursue this stuff and you believe there might be bad things out there, then also try to have a beacon of light, some good to believe in as well. I want to hear your take on it. Yeah, um, and uh, you want to kill a conversation, let's talk religion. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, boy, that'll, that'll take it right, right down. Um, I think it's the, the belief systems at this point. I understand the different belief systems, and I now have an open mind to, uh, I, I rely on physical evidence. I rely on good witness testimony, uh, and I rely on the possibilities. What are the, the beliefs? Um, Rebecca Ramey was uh, a very religious woman, and her daughter and her were attacked by the servant girl murderer. Um, her daughter was killed, and Rebecca woke up not knowing what happened. Uh, she had a very, very severe head injury, and she ended up uh, being at the Austin State Hospital. Uh, every day, she would walk Asylum Road, which you guys know as Guadalupe, that, was, that used to be called Asylum Road, and she would walk back downtown looking for Rebecca because her long-term memory was wiped out. Every morning she woke up and thought that her daughter, uh, Mary, was still alive and didn't know where she was. So she walked that road every day. Uh, there is the ghost of Asylum Road that very few people talk about anymore, but uh, 40 years ago was very popular uh, down Guadalupe. A lot of the people that were uh, attending University of Texas and would hang out down there, they would see this woman uh, that they felt was out of place. And so those are the kind of things that I kind of look at is, is what are the correlations to what our experiences are? Was this truly just a homeless person stumbling down the road? Or was Rebecca Ramey there looking for Mary still? Or was it an imprint of her and we're just looking in the past or was there some sort of time shift and we're seeing her looking for him yeah these and are all these possibilities there's a lot of like we we talk about when we talk about ghosts a lot of times i start a conversation with what is a ghost because everybody your answer tells me a lot about you and your beliefs or ideas but the notion of a ghost it's a it's an clunky word because it could be someone that died and is sticking around or a psychic imprint or maybe it's some sort of temporal anomaly or time slip or more sci-fi than than paranormal but so it's it, thank you for your question too by the way it's, oh yeah you do get a sticker that's right i i am mama Damn. sagers did not raise no liar she uh, <laughs> you got your sticker uh yes my friend hi um so with Things like this that have sort of become popularized in the media, you have a lot of you know, shows and things that people watch, and then you have a lot of businesses that will, of course, advertise, you know, we had a haunting here, et cetera. How do you, in all of your experiences, how do you come to find the things that are legit versus the things that are just trying to make a buck off of a popular legend? Uh, Nicole, since uh, you didn't weigh in on the last question, I'm putting you on the spot. Well, I mean, my answer is probably different than theirs. I yeah. go in there and feel it. Like, I mean, as the medium of our group, like, that's yeah. kind of my job. And there have been places where I've gone in, and I'm like, there's literally nothing here. And then we don't turn it into an investigation. I guess for the, for the layperson, like, what should they look for in terms of, like, 
businesses that are legit versus businesses that are trying to make money off of, off of it? I would say, first off, I don't mind someone, you know, it, it used to be that if you didn't want to talk about your haunting, if you were at an inn or a restaurant, and then it became great for business. Ghosts are great for business. Mm -hmm. Great for business. You go, you know, you go, you pay extra for the room with the boo. And the, I, I think. <laughs> okay, I just wow. got it. That used to this mean is, something different. <laughs> I like that I've gauged the level of humor in this. Uh, dad jokes all the way from took, now on. Took, a, sec took a second, but we got there. The, the but, you know, you don't, you don't know because we don't, to frankly put, we don't know. It, sure. My main thing is if people get the history wrong and start creating history, that's where it bugs me. Mm -hmm. um, the phenomena, it's hard to prove and, it's, and I don't like it if they set up like some sort of sound system in the walls to try to be spooky or some, something in a mirror that pops up. I think that that's, that's not fun and that's kind of a scam. But we don't know about the phenomena. But as long as they get the history right, I'm willing to roll with it. Absolutely. Another thing too is like, like this: finding people like, like everyone on this panel. Yeah. We we go and we seek out these things and we do the work, right? I do find like with what Nicole, I, I started my show with the intention of trying to feature lesser-known hauntings because of that fact. The ones that were big are like kind of hard to like it's almost like like folklore now and it's yeah. real hard to get back to the original where's that seed of truth that maybe this all generated from and then when you can get there there is something there but it's been kind of t we use this term telephone gamed mm -hmm. uh over the many decades but finding shows like like ours and others that are doing the work like that you can then find those little hidden haunts that have authentic stories and and um yeah, that's, that's my take on that, too. Ghost lore is great. Lore is great. It's, it also can get a little muddy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's a good... I would, but I would say, yeah, research other folks that are talking about these things, and there's a million paranormal podcasts right now and books out there that can tell you a little bit about the straight dope on some of these locations. But, um, but yeah, overall... I never rubber stamp something as haunted or not haunted because how the hell would I know for certain? That, that's what a lot of, especially I'll, I'll have people contact me and say, hey, I need you to come out here and investigate this and say that my bar is haunted. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, what, is it, what is the intent? You know, hey, uh, I, I want to talk to you a little later because I can tell right now that uh, your family's had a curse. You know all the problems that you've been having in your family. Mm -hmm. uh, and for $2,000, I can remove yeah. that curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't well, trust that. Right there. Yeah. No. That, that's definitely a scam. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. What? <laughs> you thank you. Money. Thank you for your question. Oh, you got a, uh, a sticker, too. And you get a card. Hi. You can put it in the trash can on your way out. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks. I promise I won't. Uh, I'm Ken Brown um, from Michigan, um, recent retiree from the Army, 26 years. Uh, very much like yourself, sir, uh, not that I'm a skeptic. I've had too many things happen to me in my life to uh, know. For example, when I was five years old, we were visiting my great-grandmother. We all went to bed. I got out of bed, walked into her bedroom, gave her a kiss, said, uh, goodbye, Grandma, I love you, and then went right back to bed. The next morning we wake up, there's all kinds of people in there, everybody's crying, what's going on? Great-grandma's dead. Oh, well, I told her goodbye yesterday. Wow. Or last night. 
Um, this is all kinds, this stuff is very, very prevalent, especially on my mother's side of the family. Uh, when I was a little kid, I was dressed up like Woody from Toy Story, had a, a little cap gun, put it at the front door. We were at our, my grandparents' house, cocked the hammer, aimed it at the front door. This is for bad guys. My mom's like, come on, come on, let's go. And we leave, we come back, burglars had broken in through the kitchen window, never used the front door, robbed them, and went out the back door. And while the police were talking to my grandparents and, and what have you, um, I kept talking about, yeah, but see, they didn't go through the front door, they didn't go through the front door. I put my gun there, and the police officer was like, what? And I was like, yeah, and I did. And my mom turns and looks, my grandmother is like from here to the screen, and she hears that, gets up, runs across the room, now keep in mind this is the 70s, it's a little bit different, and just smacked me so hard it made my head spin. Don't ever say things like that. And then she turned on my mom and started yelling at my mom, you know what's going on in our family, and blah, blah, blah. I didn't understand. I feel and sense things, and again, coming from 26 years in the military, just like you, sir, I'm more scared of people than I am things, or, uh, things around me. But I sense them. It's disturbing. Uh, it's tough to talk about sometimes. And more specifically to you, Nicole, um, I have premonitions of things that I, I just get information and I don't know what to do with it. Ghosts, I don't see them. I've never seen a ghost. I feel, and I will get the best, the best way I could describe it is a black and white photo image right. of who is there. I don't know what to do with this. I would love to learn or understand. This is my one shot to talk to somebody like you guys to figure out what to do. I've read Chip Coffey's book, Growing Up Psychic. Ooh, I'm like shaking right now. This is very uncharacteristic of me. Tough guy, again, Sergeant First Class in the Army, three different wars. I've been there, done that. So, what advice would you guys have for someone like me? And I'll take your comments at seat. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Nicole, do you want to weigh in real briefly? And then also, maybe after the panel, because um, we are running down on time, we can stick around and answer your follow-up questions. But do you just have uh, overall thoughts? Yeah, so, well, first thing, you said, what, what do I do with this? I mean, what do you want to do with it, right? There's so many things. Like, obviously, I go to haunted locations. That's what Stevens Medium does. That's a very specific um, thing. Not many mediums do that. There's also mediums, you know, you can go read people. You could just use it for your own personal experience, right? But I would say the first thing that I would work on just to, you know, strategic, starting, tangible, whatever, things to do. Um, go on YouTube. There are a shit ton of videos that talk about strengthening the different abilities, right? The Claire's, Claire, clairvoyance, claircognizance, clairsentience, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, go type into YouTube like clairvoyance um, exercises and just start practicing those. And then also meditation. Uh, Sarah is always talking about meditation. It's, yeah, meditation, I would say, like, every morning, every night, because one of the biggest things for us in developing these abilities um, is we have to be able to very easily tune everything else out, including ourselves, right? Because, I mean, yeah, 99.9% of the time, I think I'm fucking crazy. And if I'm sitting there questioning myself and like, oh, well, this doesn't make sense because da 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 the information you're going to receive is not going to be as clear. So um, there you go, starting points. Great. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we are running down on time, but I want to get through a couple more questions. Uh, yes. 
Uh, this is kind of really quick. This is more of like when the ghosts start getting like a little too real or you're, um, you're feeling a little, a little too much of their energy. What do you say to yourself or to the ghost to be like, oh, just fuck off? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll start on that. I just like, for me, I, if, if I think something weird is happening, I just establish ground rules. Ground rules. I've been in a lot of locations, like uh, hotels that seem to be haunted. And when weird stuff starts happening, I'm just like, I gotta sleep, yo, like, leave me alone. Or it's fine if you share this space, but here's what you can't do. And I just basically treat it like a, a house guest or a roommate or whatever. Uh, that's my thought, establish ground rules. Yeah, I uh, encourage them to keep doing whatever they're doing until they just get tired of me and leave, I think. <laughs> that's typical. I think, I thought you sent them to my house. Uh, well, go yeah, see Sagers. They're like, oh man, Lawson, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go. <laughs> Nicole. Yeah, I do the same thing Aaron does. Tell them to back up. I mean, if you're accepting the idea that if you think these may have been people that are still here in some form or fashion, treat them like people. Exactly. And then I have a, a cult specialist and a good friend of mine that's on my team, and he taught me a lot about ritual and just like using different things. I myself do like Palo Santo and, and things like that. Uh, and I do it before I go in cases just as a, a, a form of protection. I also pray and, and things like that just to make sure nothing can follow me more like that. Like, So we're getting the five-minute warning on yeah. this. I think we can, t if you can keep it. It's super quick. Cool. Love it. <laughs> uh, so more on the investigative side and Texas-based, what are, like, some good resources for researching, like, land? Because, like, a house has been there 20 years. The land's been there for thousands. Like, what, what are some good resources in particular? Good resources for investigating things around. Like doing the investigative, not the like, oh yeah, I'm a medium here. Right. Side. Yeah. Would be my book, the <laughs> how to be how to be a paranormal detective. Um, we can talk right after this, or when I'm walking out. Perfect. And um, uh, there there are some great uh, there's there's let's say 50 different things that could possibly have information uh, that you could support whatever the incident is that happened at that location. There's awesome. there's a lot of stuff you can look. And local history centers are, that's where we Very all use so. a lot of that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and if you can find a, I would also say, much like all media and all information these days, don't just trust one source, take in multiple sources, try to come up with some sort of consistency. Unfortunately, there's still inaccuracies out there, so just research, research, research. Uh, okay, can you keep it brief? Like, I'll do my I best. I was yeah. seven years old. <laughs> no, go on. No worries. Um, however in-depth you want to go, I know we got to be quick. The extent to which you study, cover, and just get connected to these histories, what are your thoughts on whether or not some kind of this energy sticks with you in your life? Sticks with you through your life? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, uh, each of you guys, whoever. Do you have hitchhiking ghosts? What do you, what do you think? Uh, for, for me, uh, it becomes part of, of me. When I learn about things and I do that, I just go ahead and accept whatever that is, and I understand it. It's one of those things in the military. If you uh, if you understand your environment, you can navigate your environment. So, well said. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Hi. So recently, I found out all the females in my family can like sense spirits and see and hear them. So I wanted to know if if you guys have relatives that also have like the same abilities as you guys. Like, just have experiences? <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Um, one of the things for me, I, growing up, I would always like wake up in the middle of the night and see somebody standing next to my bed. But you know, you blink and then convince yourself you're just no, it's fine. Um, two years ago, I asked my mom, like, "Hey, has this ever happened to you?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, all the time." I'm like, "You never thought to mention that?" <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I I would say added to that, it's very common, uh, almost normal within the paranormal for families to have a lineage of experiencers. Yep. And actually, that can extend with UFO experiencers as well and other kinds of phenomena. I am not a, again, I'm not a psychic, I'm not a, a sensitive, but within the paranormal, that is kind of normal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just speaking about Sarah, real quick, she started her own practice and she's helping people struggling with abilities. So see me after if y'all wanna talk about that. Uh, but Sarah has, her father kinda had a lot of lives and he had multiple siblings. Well, they've had, they've connected estranged siblings and they share the same abilities. So yeah. So going down the line, how can people support your work and just uh, harass you, send you emails and things like that? How can people support your work? Uh, for me, you can go to theparanormaldetective.com. That's my website. Uh, all of my podcasts and all that stuff is connected off of there. YouTube, uh, Instagram, uh, Greg H. Lawson. And I uh, hope to see you guys. The Paranormal 60 News as well. And the yes. Paranormal 60 News. Yeah, thank yes. you. Nicole. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, The Real Ghosts Of. It's kind of like The Real Housewives Of because we're all sassy. <laughs> uh, Thenightowlpodcast.com. We went through some, some cool changes, and, and the podcast name is The Night Owl True Ghost Stories on anywhere like you get your podcasts. And I got cards if anybody just wants. They're, they're nice and new and shiny, so come grab some and, and see me afterward. And again, my name is Aaron Sagers, and this is the Talking Strange podcast. You can download every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you put your podcasts into your ear holes. You can also watch it on youtube.com slash denofgeekus. Uh, say hi, at Aaron Sagers, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at Talk Strange Pod on Twitter and throughout the weekend at RTX Austin and with that said it has been a treat to do this and I appreciate you guys hanging out with us and could you just please make a lot of noise for my panelists here Stephen Ballou, Nicole Ricardo and Greg Lawson. <laughs>